What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And guys, I had to take a two-day break from the Dolphins after after Sunday's 35 to, to nothing loss against the Buffalo Bills. I really had to take like a serious like two days to really think about what I wanted to say on the podcast. Um, and I apologize for not making one sooner because I know a lot of you guys like you you really wait um, and, and you're excited when I when I release stuff. Um, and I didn't give you guys in, uh, content right away after the game. So I do apologize about that, but I have a firm belief that like, it's not about how many podcasts I make. It's about the quality of the podcast I make. And it would have not, it would not have been a good podcast if I would have made one on Sunday. I was not in a good headspace. I was pretty pissed. Um, I was livid at the team. Um, and specifically the offensive line. Uh, and so I was not a good headspace, right? I try to, uh, keep this podcast very professional. Um, I try to limit the amount of unneeded emotion I put into it because I'm here to, uh, give my opinions on it, not come out here and have a therapy session where I just vent to you guys about my issues with the team. Uh, so I just want to explain that first, like why I didn't make a podcast right away. I really like seriously, like in all, like not even joking. I needed like two days away from the Dolphins, from just like talking about them, from doing anything Dolphin related, because what they put on the field on Sunday was absolutely pathetic. Okay. And we're going to get into it in a little bit, but I want to start off by saying this. Whenever you decide as a team to rebuild a team. Okay, so if you're Chris Greer, let's set the stage. It's 2019, Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum are fired, Chris Greer steps in. I believe, and this is just my opinion, there are five steps to rebuilding a team. The Dolphins nailed four of them, I believe. But they have epically failed on the fifth step. Okay, so let's go through them. Number one step to rebuilding a team, establish the structure of your organization. Okay, the line of power, it goes Chris Greer, he has his two people, um, Reggie McKenzie and uh, Marvin Allen. Then he has underneath him, Brian Flores. He lets Brian Flores know, you will have equal say in personnel decisions as far as who we draft and sign. But at the end of the day, I'm the GM and you're the coach. You pick your coaches. You pick who you want to start and sit each week. You can pick, again, defensive and offensive coordinators. And they can pick, they can let you guys know who they want as their assistant coaches, the position coaches. So the first step, you have to establish the structure of your organization. Establish a game plan. This is how, this is our three-year plan. This is what we want our team to look like three years from now. This is the scheme we want to be, the philosophy we want to hold as a team, as an organization. Get that in check. Find a head coach that matches what you want and run with it. And they nailed that, right? Chris Greer and Brian Flores. In, in, in three years, they, we've seen the turnaround that this organization has made. 
Step number two, get rid of any players you don't want. Okay, so this new philosophy, this new uh, scheme, this new structure that you have, get rid of the players that don't fall in that mold. This has to do with either play on the field, play off the field, meaning their personality, or contracts, right? We saw Chris Greer and Brian Flores. As soon as they came in, they got rid of everyone, right? People that didn't fall in line with their idea and their vision of the team, they cut you. Bad contracts, got rid of them. The Rashad Jones, we got rid of the Ryan Tannehills. We traded away all the people and all the assets that we didn't want and gained assets like draft picks for the future. Okay, so step two, get rid of any players and contracts you don't want. Check. They did that. We saw. Step three, and this was something that I think a lot of teams, this is where they start to fail, right? If you want to see successful rebuilds, this is normally where they fail. Create a team that is able to win without or or before you draft a quarterback. So what happens so often is teams like, let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Two teams that have had top, the, the first pick in the draft the last two years. So often what happens is teams expect to draft quarterbacks high on, like early on in the top five picks. But their team isn't able to flourish and grow and help them grow and develop when they first get on the team. This is something that Brian Flores and Chris Greer, I believe, nailed. They didn't draft a quarterback in 2019. They didn't draft a quarterback in their first year of the rebuild. What did they do? They got a veteran, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They brought him on the team. And they said, this is your team this year establish a winning culture. We went five and four in our last nine games. And in the off season, we built a team that was able to win in the early 2020, right? The last first six games we were able to win. We had a good team so that when Tua took the reins, he didn't have to do it all on himself. And I think this is where teams fail so often is they'll get a Trevor Lawrence. They'll get a Joe Burrow and they expect them to carry the burden. You have to basically win us games. And if you don't play well, if you throw four interceptions like Zach Wilson did on Sunday, we lose, right? Trevor Lawrence, if you throw five interceptions in two games, we're going to lose. That's why you see successful quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Tua last year, right? Had, Had the best winning percentage of any quarterback, I think, in the last couple of years in his first 10 games. The reason is because when you give a rookie quarterback a good team where it's not all on them, that's when you see them develop rapidly, okay? So step number three, and this is a crucial one that the Dolphins nailed, but most teams don't. Create a team that's able to win before you even draft a quarterback. Okay, step number four, draft a quarterback. Find the quarterback you want, go with it, and draft him. The Dolphins wanted Tua. Ever since he looked off the safety in the national championship game as a freshman, they wanted him. They drafted him, and that was that. I be- And they didn't have to trade up to do it, right? Luckily, because of the injury, we didn't have to use a lot of assets. We, we had to use no assets at all to get Tua. We didn't trade up a bunch of smoke screens. We took Tua at pick number five. So draft your quarterback. Check. The final step. And this is a step that the Indianapolis Colts failed Andrew Luck with. 
And I see so many teams now starting to transition to the right mindset. Build an offensive line to protect your quarterback. I cannot tell you how infuriating it is to me when teams in general, not the Dolphins, just teams in general, put top five picks into a quarterback, yet they send this guy out there to get abused every single week. Okay, a quarterback is the most valuable position on your team. I'm not saying that quarterback is any more important. I'm not trying to say it's a one-man show. It isn't. A team game, okay? But your quarterback is the most valuable position on the field. If the Dolphins didn't have Will Fuller for a game, it's different than next week probably most likely not having Tua. Your quarterback is the most valuable position on your team. So I don't understand... And again, I'm not a GM. I'm not. So I'm not going to act like I'm the smartest person in the world. Common sense tells me if I just invested millions of dollars in a quarterback, I I spent a top five draft pick on him. Wouldn't common sense tell me, let me protect this guy? Okay. And that's something that, again, I harped on with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You got a really good quarterback. Protect him for the love of God. And even this year. He's not getting protected. He's been sacked the third most times in the NFL so far. Tua, especially with Tua, your quarterback literally is a, has an injury history. Protect him. Okay, and this is the step that the Dolphins have miserably and epically failed at. Because it's one thing to... Here's the scary thing, and this is what bothers me. I wouldn't have so much of an issue if they had ignored the offensive line. Because if they ignored the offensive line, the easy solution is address it. The issue is the Dolphins now, since Brian Flores has taken over, have spent five draft picks on offensive linemen. Michael Dieter, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, Liam Eikenberg. Of those guys, I would argue... Robert Hunt is the best, and he hasn't played amazingly. He's like above average, slightly above average. And Liam Eikenberg's on the bench, even though he's better than all the three other guys that I mentioned. So the issue, I can't even say the Dolphins haven't addressed the offensive line. The issue is that they don't know how to address the offensive line. They've tried to go get the Eric Flowers, the Matt Skuras. We've spent five draft picks on offensive linemen, and still we have absolute crap. And what pisses me off is, again, I'm not a GM. I'm a podcaster. I'm a performer in life. I went to school as a dance major. I am not a a GM. I'm not going to act like I'm smarter than Chris Greer. But I will go to the grave thinking that offensive line is the easiest position to draft and assess when they're in college. You cannot name me the offensive lineman, a Penny Sewell, a Rayshon Slater, a, a Tristan Wirfs, a Laramie Tunsil, an offensive lineman that everyone said, that's the guy. They're going to be phenomenal. And they go into the NFL and they suck. You can't name me the guy. It happens all the time with quarterbacks, right? Quarterback is one of the hardest. It is the hardest position to draft. Out of all quarterbacks drafted in a class, you're lucky if you get two that that end up being really good. That's a very low success right there. There's other positions. Cornerback. 
very hard to assess. We've seen that with Noe Benogany, two weeks healthy, inactive. But there are positions like offensive linemen that typically, if they're really good in college, they're going to be really good in the NFL. And the Dolphins now, and again, this is one of the biggest reasons I, I hate that I didn't have a podcast last year, is I get questions a lot. I'll, I'll get DMs from people who want to create a podcast like I like I did. And they say, um, what's your, like, what would you say is your favorite part of having a podcast? And I always tell them the best part about having a podcast is that you can be held accountable and people can trust that what you're saying is, is smart because they've seen your track record. And I wish so badly I would have had a podcast last year. Because I was banging on the table. The best offensive lineman in this draft is Tristan Wirfs. He's better than everyone else, and I don't think it's that close. And he wasn't getting drafted. They went Andrew Thomas, which was a high overdraft at number three. Then they picked, um, I think Mekhi Becton was next. He was just really big. He's injury prone, and he hasn't lived up to the hype in, in the NFL. The guy out of Cleveland was my second favorite. I forget his name. He came out of Alabama. I apologize for not remembering on the spot. And Tristan Wirfs was my favorite. I was banging on the table on draft day. You have literally at the time, you had four first round picks left and four second round picks left. For the love of God, please trade one of them. Trade up five spots to go get Tristan Wirfs at 13 so that you had a right tackle now to protect Tua's blindside. You just drafted a left-handed quarterback. Please, for the love of God, go draft Tristan Wirfs. They didn't. Instead, we got Austin Jackson, a player who I didn't even have a first-round grade on. Okay? And then we decided to go get Noah Igbenogany. Robert Hunt looks like a good pick. He'll be average, slightly above average, it seems. I thought he would have been a pro bowler. TBD on that. Um... And then this year, okay, let's 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 not act like you haven't listened to the podcast, okay? Let's talk about how many times I said Penny Sewell should be the pick at number six and the amount of times on Twitter I was called the troll. People laughed at me saying, we just drafted a left tackle. You're an idiot. We need to go wide receiver. Did you not see how bad they were last year? Yeah, I did. But I also saw the fact that your offensive line at best is average. Okay, so you could have drafted Penny Sewell. Let's talk about the fact that we needed a center, and they ignored it. Instead, what do they do? Javon Holland, love the guy to death. Didn't need him. Really didn't. There was no real need to go get Javon Holland instead of someone like Creed Humphrey, who I wanted. Okay, then you go get Liam Meikenberg. Good pick. Didn't need him. Could have stayed right there and got in, I don't know. You didn't have a right tackle. You could have gotten the guy out of Oklahoma. I'm trying to remember his name out of OSU. Could have gotten him. You decided not to. At, at the, in the third round, you could have gotten Quinn, uh, Quinton Miners or Mainers, however you say his name. You decide to get Hunter Long. Okay, if it were up to me, and again, I, I, I so desperately wish I had a podcast last year in the 2020 draft so that you actually could believe what I'm saying because right now you just have to take my word my word for it if it were up to me and we drafted all of the guys that I wanted to at the time when they were available this isn't a 
oh man, well, you're saying stuff that's not even possible. All of these guys were there for the Dolphins to take. Either to sign, to trade up five spots to get, or to draft literally when they had the pick. If it were up to me, our offensive line right now, from left to right, would be Penny Sewell, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Robert Hunt, Tristan Wirfs. And I'm tired of people acting like, like they always say, like I, I, I love Chris Greer. He can't assess the offensive line. And I'm tired of people acting like people like GMs know more about assessing players all the time than we do as fans. How many times have we seen really good players just not get drafted by teams and you're like, why? Like, why aren't you drafted? And then they go on to have amazing NFL careers and it's like, I as a fan saw that they were going to be really good. I'm tired of people acting like, you know, like the, like if you take a shot on someone, they're smarter and they're doing something that no one else thought of and it's going to work out. How about we just take the guys in college that look really good? Because that offensive line, if they look really good in college, nine times out of 10, they're going to be amazing in the NFL. You had a chance to get Tristan Wirfs and you declined it. You could have easily traded up five spots. You had the most draft capital of any team in the NFL. You could have easily traded up to get him without a doubt. You could have traded a second and a third, traded up, and instead of having Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, you'd have Tristan Wirfs on your, t- on your team. Excuse me. You could add Penny Sewell this year. You went with Jalen Waddle. I love Jalen Waddle. Did he help Tua not get a bruised rib? No, he didn't. He had no he had no say on it. Okay? You could add Penny Sewell. Right there, your edges, your tackles are set. This last year, don't tell me that the Dolphins didn't have enough money to go out and sign a Joe Thune. Because I saw teams with less do more. Okay, and the Dolphins right now have $77 million in 2021. Do you want to know what that tells me? That tells me that you could have structured the contract so that it hits more next year than this year. I see teams do it all the time. You can restructure contracts as much as you want. You could have gone out and signed a left guard like Joe Thune to to play on your offensive line. And then in the draft, you could have taken Creed Humphrey. There was no reason not to. He was there. For two picks, you could have taken him. You decided not to. So your offensive line right now could essentially be, and and this isn't like a, a, a crazy thought, like this is reality. This all could have happened, no problem. Penny Sewell, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Robert Hunt, Tristan Wirfs. Instead, you have Austin Jackson, who shouldn't even be in the NFL. You have Solomon Kinley, who's been below average, average at best. Michael Dieter, who has somehow has been like one of the best offensive linemen on the team, not saying much. Robert Hunt, who is probably the best O-lineman on the team. Again, not saying much. And Jesse Davis, who Omar Kelly has convinced you all for the whole offseason that he's the best offensive lineman on the team. When he literally, I cannot make this up, he pushed a guy, he pushed AJ Panessa into Tua. He didn't even touch him. He did not touch him until he was running after Tua and he pushed him into Tua. I cannot make this up. Okay, so the offensive line, like here's the thing, guys. I've seen so many people, so many analysts, media members, podcasters say, 
What Sunday's game showed me that the Dolphins have a long way to go. Don't look at the box score. Okay, I know we lost 35 to 0, which is an embarrassment. But the Dolphins don't have this long way to go. Okay, let me remind you guys. Okay. Josh Allen in the first half had a 45% completion rating, 62 yards passing, a touchdown and an interception. The Dolphins had the ball in the red zone four times and we came away with zero points. Even if you kick a field goal each of those times, even if you kick a field goal, it's 14 to 12 at halftime, which is a much different story than 14 to zero. So whenever I hear people say the Dolphins have a long way to go, I'm like, what long way? Like as incompetent as your offense was, which it was the most incompetent I've ever seen in the last three years on this team. As incompetent as they were, your defense held Josh Allen to under 200 yards passing, a 50% completion rating, two touchdowns and an interception. So yeah, the score may be 35 to zero. Half of that is because literally the offense was going three and out every drive and you were sending your defense out there against one of the best offenses in the NFL in the the Miami Heat. What do you expect to happen? Okay, when, when people act like so surprised from this game, I'm like, there's no real, like, I can't sit on here and tell you it was this game that lost it for us. It was this play. It was this player. It was the offensive line. Okay, if the Dolphins had a competent offensive line, I would bet my money that we could have won that game. Because you were you were in the red zone four times. You dropped two touchdown passes. It could have been tied at half, 14 to 14. Instead, your offensive line gave Tua, on average, 1.9 seconds to throw the football. And he got sacked four of his seven dropbacks. He like, and that's another thing. Some people are blaming Tua. Tua played like seven snaps on offense. What are you blaming him for? Like, did you not see that when Jacoby Brissett went out there, he was getting murdered the whole entire time? Did you not see Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis film how incompetent they were? Like when, when my girlfriend, she doesn't understand football that much. She watched the game and said, I don't understand how someone in the NFL can be that bad. And truly, if you think about it, it it doesn't make sense how someone in the NFL like Austin Jackson or Jesse Davis can play that bad to where you don't even know like if they've ever played the position before, right? Like there are times when I watch Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson play where I'm like, have you ever played this position before? Do you know how to play it? Because I can understand, yeah, there's going to be a difference between a Tristan Wirfs and a Robert Hunt, right? But at the end of the day, I, I at least know Robert Hunt can play the position. He may not be as good as a Tristan Wirfs or a Quentin Nelson, but yeah, he could play the position. With Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis, I'm like, do y'all even know how to play football? Like, how did you get to the NFL? I don't understand it. And... So there is no like simple answer. There is no, man, if the Dolphins just like clean up a couple of things, we could have won that game. No, like if you need a new offensive line, like it's that simple. You need a new offensive line in order to have hopes of competing this year. Like the, I, like here's the thing regarding the um, Las Vegas Raiders game, right? Looking forward at that because there's really nothing to talk about in regards to the Buffalo game. 
Like there isn't. I can't. How am I supposed to dog the defense? They 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 held Josh Allen to under 200 yards. What more do you want? Like I, I they 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 gave the offense the ball two times in the red zone, an interception and a fumble, or two times inside like the own like the Buffalo 30, and we came away with zero points. I don't know how some of y'all came away from that game saying the defense sucks. Yeah, we gave up a 14 to nothing lead right away. I get that. That needs to be fixed, and I think it will. Those are little details where I'm like, okay, you learn from that, you 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 grow from there. But when your offense gets the ball two times inside the like the Buffalo 30, if you're in the if you're able to score four times and you come away with zero points, what do you expect the defense to do? Like there's nothing they can do. They did their job. X had an interception. There was a fumble. We had two turnovers. Okay, the game could have been the game honestly should have been like 20 to 14 at halftime. You should have kicked two field goals and you should have had two touchdowns. Devontae Parker dropped one. Albert Wilson dropped a potential one. It should have been 20 to 14 at halftime. But you don't have a competent offensive line. Wide receivers like Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant can't, can't catch a common cold, let alone a football. And that's what that's what ends up happening. You get embarrassed 35 to 0 in your in your home opener. So like looking forward at like the Raiders, okay? Um number 1 to start off with, whether it's Austin Jackson or Jesse Davis, you got to put Liam Meikenberg in there. If it were me, Jesse Davis is gone. Like you're gone. Because at least with Austin Jackson I can say you're not guarding to his blind side. Okay, because if Austin Jackson, when he messes up, because he does all the time, that's why Tua chewed his ass out during training camp, like every other day, Tua can at least see it. He can at least see, okay, Austin Jackson sucks, so I have to do this. I have to maneuver in the pocket. The issue with the right tackle position and Jesse Davis being so bad is that Tua can't see it. So I don't understand why Liam Eikenberg isn't starting. I'm really confused. Because it's not even like I could say, oh, Liam Eikenberg, when he was in there, didn't look good. No, Liam Eikenberg has looked better than Austin Jackson when he filled in at left tackle, and he's looked better than Jesse Davis at right tackle. I don't understand the problem. Like, and here's the thing. It can't get much worse. That's the thing that's funny is that, like, it can't get much worse. It, It literally can't. It's impossible. So if I were the Dolphins, number one, Jesse Davis, you're out. First of all, he's injured. So I don't know why he's in there in the first place. He has a knee injury. So Liam Meikenberg better replace Jesse Davis against the Raiders. That's the start because two is not going to play this game. I'm letting y'all know that right now. No shot. If I'm Brian Flores, I'm going to put Tua out there when he's not fully healthy with this offensive line against a team with the Raiders that has the highest pressure rate in the NFL. No, no shot at all. Okay, so for starters... Let's put Liam Meikenberg at right tackle, see how he does. And number two, there are people out there like Mitchell Schwartz that have said on their Twitter, I'm, I'm ready to go. I could start right now if you needed me to. And no one, no one signed him. And like for the Dolphins, I'm like, why aren't you signing him? First of all, he'll probably be extremely cheap because like, let's be honest, no team is in the market for him. So he'll be pretty cheap. And as I said, with putting Liam Meikenberg in there, it can't get worse than what Austin Jackson is doing right now. It really can't. It's impossible. 
So at least put Mitchell Schwartz in there. A 50% Mitchell Schwartz is probably better than Austin Jackson. Seriously. Because at least I know, like I talked about earlier with like a, a Robert Hunt versus Quentin Nelson, it may not be as good if he's injured, but at least I know Robert Hunt can play the position. At least I know Mitchell Schwartz can play the position. I question whether Austin Jackson can even play left tackle. Like you would have thought it was his first time playing in the NFL yesterday or like playing football. Seriously, I I really thought like Sunday was the first time Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis have ever played football. There were times, and, and, and again, this it's hard to fathom that this is true, but it is. There were times in the game where the Dolphins had eight people protecting Tua and only five Bills players were coming after him and they still lost. Do you understand the math to that? If there's eight people blocking and five people rushing, that means three of the five defenders were double teamed. Technically. And yet Tua still only had less than 2.5 seconds to throw the football. Make it make sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Make it make sense that Josh Allen was beating you 14 to 0 and he had under 70 yards passing in the first half. 45% completion rating. Two turnovers inside their own 30 where you could have scored points on both of them and you should have. So this game, again, a lot of people, I see people like overreacting that this team sucks. The defense is trash, special. Like, no. Like, yeah, there were mistakes on defense for sure. But what do you expect the defense to do when you're going against Josh Allen? Like, could you imagine if the defense, I know that the defense now knows how to play Josh Allen. Because if the defense played like they did last year, this would have been like a 59-10 to 10 game, like in Baltimore 2019. The only reason this game was not that was because your defense knew how to defend Josh Allen. And they gave him fits. Again, under 200 yards passing, 50% completion rating. Even the run game. Aside from that 50-yard gash, the, the run game was kind of nothing for the Bills after the first quarter. Really, after the first two drives, the Bills couldn't do really much. Then the second half came, and again, same story. Offense can't do anything. Bills are getting, you know, three and outs on defense, and then they get the ball right back. And I talked about this in my preview video. The more chances you give Josh Allen or high-powered offenses the chance to score, the more times they're going to score. It's that simple. And as good as our defense is, and I believe it is, you can't expect them to go out against Josh Allen every three plays because we're going three and out on offense every drive. You can't expect them to go out there and 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 hold them to 10 points. You have to capitalize. If you get the ball two times inside the 30 because of turnovers, you need to convert those. And we didn't. Our offensive line was trash. It was one of the most pathetic performances I've seen from an offensive line. And... Like it's that it's that simple. Again, it's really in my opinion, I'll go to the grave thinking it's really not hard to fix an offensive line. It isn't. You can think it in your head and you can lie to yourself and make make it seem like other people know more than you, but they probably don't when it comes to the offensive line. You listening to this right now, however old you are, guy, girl, old, young, doesn't matter. You probably know just as much about offensive line assessment in the draft as a GM. Because seriously, like think in your head right now, who like, let's go this year. If you're the Dolphins, right? 
and you want to get an offensive lineman at pick number six. It's not hard. It really isn't. Penny Sewell. Okay, I I even was on record. Go back and listen to the podcast. I said Rashawn Slater was the best offensive lineman in the draft overall because he can play at a high level at every position. Go back and listen to it. It's there. I, I love having a podcast because the proof is there. I said Rashawn Slater is going to be a stud. You could even draft him at six, but if Penny Sewell's there, Penny Sewell's going to be a better left tackle than anyone in the last four or five years. And I was right. Penny Sewell, since being moved to left tackle, because the Lions were idiots and played him at right tackle at first, since moving to left tackle has not allowed a sack. Has not allowed a sack in both games or in the last preseason game. Did not allow a sack when he was out there. He looks incredible for the Lions. And that's the only reason the Lions have kind of even been a little competitive is because the offensive line is good. Because Penny Sewell's phenomenal. Joe Burr or Justin Herbert has all the time in the world to throw. Rayshon Slater looks phenomenal. They went out and got Corey Lindsley, right? They went out and they made signings. The Chiefs had less cap space than the Dolphins. They literally redid their entire offensive line in one off season. So I don't want to hear the excuses that it's hard to do and that, you know, like, like the Dolph, like, yeah, the Dolphins have tried, but they failed. Because every time you've drafted someone, especially in Austin Jackson, you've reached for him. You had Penny Sewell there. You decided not to take him. Right? You had Tristan Wirfs that you could have easily traded up for. You had two first round picks and two seconds the next year. You still had two more firsts and two seconds that year. You could have easily traded up and took Tristan Wirfs and gotten a right tackle. Ooh, what a concept. Let's get a right tackle to protect our left-handed quarterbacks. Blindside. What a concept. Like I say this all the time and I sound like a broken record and I really do apologize. But how many times have I said this, that the key to this offense is having a good offensive line, right? All of you out there, let's get a running back in the first round. You want to, you wanted to waste a, a top 32 pick on a running back this year behind that offensive line. And this is why I tell so many of you, it's not that I'm anti-running back. It's not. My favorite player in Dolphins history was a running back, Ricky Williams. It's basically why I'm a Dolphin fan. I love running backs. And I hope that one day our offensive line is good enough to where we can get a a running back in the draft or free agency that's really good because I will buy that jersey instantly. But what did I say? The offensive line, if it's not good, there's no point in having a running back. There is none. Because right now, if you had Najee Harris, he's not going to really do anything on your team. Let's be completely frank about that. And I say, build the offensive line up. Build the offensive line. The last two times the Dolphins went to the playoffs, what was the common denominator? Oh yeah, we had a top 10 offensive line. An offensive line literally brought Adam Gase to the playoffs. If that doesn't settle it in your brain, I don't know what else will. Adam Gase is literally an offensive coordinator for a high school football team right now. That's how bad he is. He couldn't even get a job as a head coach in high school. He's an offensive coordinator in a high school football team. And an offensive line, a top 10 O-line for the Dolphins, brought him to the playoffs in his first year as a coach here. If you have an offensive line, that fixes everything. Because guess what? Now your quarterback, especially a young one, has more time to process information. 
Guess what? If you have a good offensive line, you can run the football. So you don't have to have Tua back there on third and 15. Because your first play, you can run it for four or five yards. And that opens up your whole playbook. So, like, there really is no temporary fix. I, I can't even, like, sit here and give you guys hope that there is a temporary fix. If it were me, and again, here I am on record, get rid of Jesse Davis, put Liam Meikenberg there, and sign Mitchell Schwartz. Put him at left tackle over Austin Jackson. That That's how I would fix it right now. Next year's draft, and enough with this loading up picks, enough. Trade up some picks, do what good teams do, trade up some picks, go get the guy like Evan Neal or Tyler Linderbaum on your offensive line. You have $77 million in, in cap space next year. Go out and get one or two quality, high quality offensive linemen and build this offensive line. Enough with this. Let's try to get the best wide receiver. Let's try to get Deshaun Watson. How about we just build a good offensive line so that it doesn't matter what running back we have. It doesn't matter what weapons we have because Tua actually has time to process information. And screw it. I'll go as far to say, even if Tua is not the quarterback, even if you go get Deshaun Watson, he can't do anything behind this offensive line. No quarterback could. So like, regardless what quarterback you want to get, You need to build the offensive line. It's that simple. If you want to have success, you have to build the O-line. It's really, it's not that complex. It's not rocket science. There's good guys in every draft. Go get one of them. There's good guys in free agency every year. Go get one of them. You don't need to draft a cornerback in the first round at pick 30 and reach for him when you have X and Byron Jones. You don't need to get Austin Jackson at 18, even though he's not a first-round talent. You could just trade up, use a second and a third, or or even a first, I'd be okay with it, to go get Tristan Wirfs to protect to his blind side. But they didn't. So here we are. Hate to say I told you so to all those people who laughed and said, don't, don't take Penny Sewell, that would be stupid. Right? Here we are. Two is injured. He's out. Would highly expect him not to play on Sunday. If I were the coach, no shot in hell, he's playing. He wouldn't even let him play. Here's the thing. He wouldn't even let Tua play against the Jets with a with a hurt thumb. And you think he's going to let him play against the Raiders with a bruised rib? No. Tua's not going to play. So that game's probably going to be lost. So there we go. Now you lost us a game. Another game, the offensive line has lost us. Um... And again, if Tua comes back in two weeks, okay, now he has to face the Colts and the Buccaneers with that offensive line. Like, seriously, like this offensive line will most likely be the reason why or why not, why we do or why we don't make the playoffs. And the way it's looking right now, it's going to be why we don't make the playoffs. Because you're going to face way harder defensive lines than what you faced against the Bills. And do you remember, for those of you that listen every single week or every episode, do you remember what I talked about when I when I brought up um, the offensive line regarding the schedule prediction? If you remember, I said, this offensive line will be the type of offensive line that plays as good or as bad as the opposing defensive line. When we face great defensive lines, we will probably lose the game. When we play the Jaguars and the Falcons, we'll probably win those games. 
that's what this offensive line is going to be unless you fix it. Unless you get a Mitchell Schwartz and a Liam Meikenberg at right tackle, that's what this offensive line is going to be for the rest of the year. Just letting you all know. You're going to lose against the good defensive lines. You're going to win against the bad teams. And you're not going to make the playoffs. It's that simple. So, you know, I guess the only positive is that we start 0-0 now, right? It's one week. We put it in the in the rearview mirror now and we move on to the Raiders. But like, seriously, guys, this unless the the unless you fix it, which I've said, go out, sign a, a Mitchell Schwartz at left tackle, go out, get rid of Jesse Davis, put your your right tackle that you used a third round pick to trade up and get, put him at right tackle because he looked way better in preseason than Jesse Davis did. Put those guys there because it can't get much worse. It can't. So at least take that chance for the love of God. So like, again, do I think this team is awful? No, I don't like, I was very pleased. Like I was pleased actually with what I saw from the defense in the first half. I was really pissed when we went down 14 to zero, but also a lot of that had to do with Tua being injured. But I was like, oh my God, the defense, like we intercepted Josh Allen. He has under 70 yards passing this half. I was actually like, oh my God, we could get in this game with Jacoby Percet. And what happened? Drop footballs, horrible offensive line play. Sound familiar? Because it does to me. So I don't know what the fix is going to be for this team. They have to make one though. It's that simple. If they don't make changes to the offensive line, that then I can, I firmly believe that they truly, really like don't care about winning this year. Because good teams, if they care about winning, they make changes. And I've heard from talking with people, Brian Flores is very prideful. Doesn't like being told what to do. It's his way or the highway. Get the hell out of here. Okay. And so Brian Flores better put his ego to rest as much as I love him better put his ego to rest and fix your damn offensive line. Cause what you've put out there for the last two years has been garbage, hot garbage. And until you fix it, you can kiss your aspirations of playoffs and super bowls. Goodbye this year or in years to come. And us as fans, how many years are we going to see the same thing happen over and over again? It's like, Like if you're a fan, you're kind of numb to it now because if you're a fan, it's like, my God, I mean, I've been a fan for 14 years. I'm 23. I started watching football in 07 when we went one in 15 and every single year, aside from the two years we made the playoffs, our offensive line has always been an issue going into the year. And it's like, I don't understand if you're a GM, this is just common sense to me. If there's an issue that is consistent that much in an organization. How do you not do everything you can to fix it? And don't give me they've put draft picks in it because all those draft picks, everyone knew they weren't good enough. Okay, drafting Solomon Kinley and Austin Jackson, that's not going to fix your O-line. Going out and getting Eric Flowers in free agency, that's not going to fix your O-line or Matt Skura. There are way better solutions to fixing your O-line that they have not done. And so here we are, we're one and one, it's not the end of the world, but we have three games coming up where the defensive line is just as good as the Buffalo Bills. And so if they don't fix it, if they don't fix their communication issues, if they don't fix the coaching issues, then this is going to remain. This is going to happen. Every game you're going to go into it, 
worrying if Tua is going to get hurt or not. And if this is going to be a Buffalo Bills game or if this is going to be a, a, a an actual respectable game. That's going to be an every week thing until they make changes. If they go out there and get rid of Jesse Davis, put Liam Meikenberg there, go get a veteran tackle like, like Mitchell Schwartz, which I don't know why they're not doing for very cheap. You go do those two things, you'll be good. I'm not saying you'll be a top 10 offensive line, but at least it'll be respectable to where I'm like, okay, we can win games now. It's just sad. It, it really is. It's sad to see a team that I love this much just constantly have no regard to like like common sense when it comes to offensive linemen. It's really, it's hard to see. It's hard when, you, like, I don't like being more right about personnel decisions than the, than the team. My goal is for them to prove me wrong. My goal is for me to be like, I don't like Austin Jackson. But guess what? They were right. I don't want to be right about Austin Jackson. I don't want to be right about Noah Igbenogany, who both I've defended on this show, on this podcast. I don't want to be right about them. But guess what? In both those instances, us fans were were smarter than the GM. In both those instances. Right? Drafting Jalen Waddle. Yeah, he's best friends with Tua. Awesome. Is he Mr. Miyagi? Is he somehow going to heal Tua's wounds now? No. You should have gotten Penny Sewell to protect to his left side. You should have gotten Tristan Wirfs to protect to his right side. Both things I said you should have done, and here we are. So hopefully next year they, they decide to sign better offensive linemen. And in the draft, like I swear, y'all, I swear to all things pure and good in this world, I better not see one mock draft that does not have the Dolphins taking an offensive lineman with that that doesn't have them taking it with their first pick. If you follow me, right? Or if you listen to the podcast, if you're on Twitter and you know I follow you or you follow me, just know, do not post a mock draft that does not have an offensive lineman taken with the first pick or I will comment on it. Because if I guess if there's another positive to, to all this uh, atrocity that is the offensive line, I think they're, every fan is on the same mindset and page right now. Offensive line is our biggest issue on the team. It's that simple. So whether it's you like you go out and sign a free agent and a draft pick, you go out and sign two free agents and a draft pick, we need an overhaul on the offensive line. Okay, you tried for three years, it didn't work, reset. If you want to keep your job, that's what you need to do. So we'll see. Again, we have $77 million. We have to sign Mike Kosicki, but I don't even think like that's not even a necessity. I would much rather, instead of paying Mike Kosicki 15 to 16 million, give me a center for 15 to 16 or a right guard or a left guard any day of the week. Any day of the week. I'd much rather invest my money there than with Mike Kosicki. And that better be what they do. Because again, there's only temporary solutions this year. Again, Liam Meikenberg is your temporary solution, and Mitchell Schwartz possibly, I think that would be a good decision. But those are temporary. Long term, you need to invest a lot of money and a lot of draft capital into consensus good players, okay? I'm not saying invest draft capital into Austin Jacksons anymore. 
Like get people that everyone thinks is good and not these projects. Enough with the projects. The projects haven't worked. You clearly don't know how to assess the offensive line. Get better scouts. Go with the simple vanilla. Everyone knows this guy is going to be good player. And the rest will take care of itself. So that's all I have for you guys today. Sorry, this is a more lengthy podcast. But again, I needed to take my two days to really talk about what I was going to say. Because this is an issue that it's not just like this year. It's been an issue for the last 20 years. And I, as a fan, am tired of it. I really am. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of every year. Offensive line is a question mark. And I'm more tired than now my starting quarterback is injured because of it. I'm more tired that our playoff hopes start and end with our offensive line. I'm tired of that. I don't want that to be the case. So that's all I have for you guys today. I'll probably make another podcast on Friday talking about the Raiders game. But again, it's going to be a lot of offensive line talk. Hopefully by then we know more decisions that have been made in as far as switches. Um, but that's all I have for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and like the podcast. Share it with friends. And I will see you guys next time here on the Finn Sports Football Podcast. Finn's up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami